figurine idol sitting on your shelf. It doesn't have to be those physical images. Because here's what an idol is. An idol is anything other than God that we believe is essential to things like our peace, our self-image, our contentment, and our sense of control. In other words, idol is any heart-level substitute for what only God can give. So when we look at it that way, our modern world really is infested with idols. It's not just something for ancient times or what Isaiah the prophet was writing about because idolatry is more than just a pagan problem. Idolatry is a human problem. It's a modern problem simply because it's a matter of our hearts. And as humans, it seems like our default mode is we inevitably want to gravitate towards those things that we think are going to make us happy. And that explains why we all struggle with this persistent enslaving sins that sometimes grab a hold of our lives. So we we run from Jesus and we stuff ourselves full of those things that we think will bring us pleasures. And the Bible calls those false idols. So our our root problem in, in all of life is that we keep going to these false gods. We keep running to the idols and nothing grieves God more than that. And nothing grieves the prophet Isaiah more than that. You know, that's a prevailing message of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is that our God, our living God, has zero tolerance for idol worship. So that led led me to the question this week as I was writing this, am I an idol worshiper? Are, Are you an idol worshiper? You know, we're continuing our sermon series this week called Future Hope. Pain, Redemption, and Beauty in the book of Isaiah. Now, we find Isaiah back in the Old Testament of our, of our Bibles. And sometimes we think of the Old Testament as just being old, a.k.a. irrelevant, not applicable for life today. So we got to ask this question that as we look at our passage today from chapter 42, is his message relevant for those of us who live in Wayne County, Wayne, America? I mean, why study the message of an Old Testament prophet who lived in 740 B.C., over 2,700 years ago? Well, scholars call the book of Isaiah the gospel of the Old Testament. And if that's true, and I do believe it is, then that message is relevant for where we are at today. So if you brought your Bibles with you today or have your app, open up to Isaiah chapter 42, and we're going to see what this gospel of the Old Testament has to say for us today. Now to kind of set the, set the stage here a little bit, um, in chapter 42, we see this gospel proclaimed loud and clear. At this point in their history, the nation of Israel felt like they were near death. They were in exile, they were living under foreign rulers, and they were surrounded by idol worshipers. So this nation of Israel felt alone, they felt deserted, they felt forsaken in a lot of ways, hopeless, worthless, all of that stuff, despair just hovered over them, hovered over everything about them. Well, then enters this prophet Isaiah with a different kind of message. 
a, a message of hope, a, a, a new message with a new ring, talking about a new reality that this servant is going to bring. So God uses Isaiah, this prophet, to call Israel, to call all of us to a new mission, to a new level of worship in our lives, and really to a new experience of salvation. And it's all done through this new kind of servant that Isaiah introduces in chapter 42. And the mission of the servant, well, it surprises Isaiah, and it can surprise us as well, because this, his mission is bigger than just their immediate circumstances. It's bigger than just their captivity. It's bigger than just the oppressive nations that are around them. It's for all nations, we find out, down to our lives here in Wayne, America. So we're going to look at the first nine verses of chapter 42. And those verses are what Bible scholars call um, the servant songs. The first of four servant songs found in Isaiah. And th these songs develop the theme of a servant in a very distinctive way. Because this servant, we find out, is Jesus. And God sent his servant, Jesus, to show us the salvation of God. So this morning, hopefully, we can learn what it looks like to put aside false idols. And let's look at what's true. So Isaiah talks about the one true servant. He begins this chapter with a comparison and contrast going on. In fact, I want to start at the very last verse of chapter 41. Because there he talks about these false idols, these false images. So in verse 29 of Isaiah 41, he says, See, see, they are false. In other words, the, the other nations around them, the other gods that these nations worship, they are false. Their deeds amount to nothing. Their images are but wind and confusion. Then verse 1 of chapter 42, here, Isaiah writes, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. So he's, he's comparing the, these two nations. He's comparing what the, what the um, oppressive nations worship and compare that to what he's calling Israel to worship. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, you see that comparison a little clearer because it uses the word behold two different times. He says, behold, they are all delusion. And then he says, behold, my servant. Basically, he's saying, sit up and take notice. See what is false. L look at what's going on around you. Pay attention. Notice the false gods. They're all about delusion and confusion. I mean, there's a lot of that in our world today. Confusion, delusion, lies, you know, that's all around us. And then Isaiah says, look, pay attention and see what is true. And it's my servant, the one on whom I put my spirit. You know, we can follow lies and confusion in, in life. We can, we can be deluded by our world and our culture, or we can follow what is true, the one who is true. So what does that one look like? What, what kind of servant is he? What kind of person is Isaiah calling us to follow? Well, this mission that this servant uh, steps into is an amazing one. Because he doesn't enter this world as a military conqueror 
which was all around the nation of Israel at the time. He's not that way. He's not a political revolutionary. He's not going to rule like all the other nations around Israel, but he comes, Isaiah says, with gentleness, with compassion. But let's read on in chapter 42, starting in verse 2. Referring to the servant, he says, He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. This is a king, Isaiah says. This is a servant that's known for peace, known for comfort, not oppression or conquest. And here's, here's what we know about the servant from Isaiah 42. The source of his strength is going to be the Spirit of God. Because Isaiah says right in verse 1, I will put my spirit on him. And the manner of his ministry, the manner of his rule is going to be done with gentleness. Because the text tells us he's not going to shout in a bruised reed he will not break. You ever try grabbing a plant that's wilting or damaged? You know, you, you grab that wilting flower and what happens? Falls right off in your hands, right? Well, Isaiah says this servant is going to be so gentle that he won't even break the, the plants that are already damaged. So it's the one true servant. But he also has one true purpose. And this ministry that he has is going to focus and be centered around the word justice. The word justice is a reoccurring theme in chapter 42 of Isaiah. Because in verse, verse 1, it tells us that this servant, he's going to bring justice. Verse 3 says that he will bring forth justice. In verse 4, he says he's going to establish justice. Well, that word justice in the Hebrew is the word mishpat. That, that's kind of a fun word to say, mishpat. But that idea there is he's saying this servant's going to bring mishpat to the nations. Mishpat he's going to bring forth. He's going to establish mishpat on earth. And that word is often translated as justice into English. But the way Isaiah uses it, the way the Hebrew word mishpat really means, it's, it's a little different than our English interpretation or understanding of the word. When, when we hear the word justice, when I hear the word justice, I, I immediately go to and think about civil justice, you know, legal justice, equal rights. Th this week I just, I, I did a Google search, I just typed in justice, and right at the top of the list, uh, the Department of Justice pops up in, in the Google search, justice.gov. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to check out this. And, and you can look on the, the justice.gov website, and one of the top things that they have are, are the FBI most wanted. So I started going down that rabbit trail and clicking on those, and it's all about bringing these murderers and thieves and, and con men to justice. It's about bringing, um, you know, having them pay for their crimes, holding them accountable. And that's, that's our sense of justice when, when we hear that word. Because we want to put the murderers behind bars. We want the drug traffickers to pay, pay for those crimes. We want those who uh, defraud people to be held accountable. And justice is what we hear about in the news. You know, riots take place as people seek justice. We want the right responses to wrongdoings. And that's our English idea of justice. But when Isaiah uses that word, when we read about it in the Bible, 
It's so much more than just that. See, the mission that this servant brings to us is one of justice in a, in a much larger sense than the way we understand it. Because mishpat, it's, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about putting God's plan into full effect. It's about bringing about God's order. It's bringing about what's right, not necessarily in our eyes, but what's right in God's eyes. And it's to make what is true known. The truth about the Lord known. To, to make known that God alone is the sovereign creator of the world. He's the one that's controlling history. So Isaiah is saying that this servant is going to come on the scene and he's going to usher in, fulfill, and complete God's plan. That's what Jesus came to do as God's servant. So when Isaiah is talking about the servant and he's bringing the servant song to us, he's saying that Jesus as a servant is bringing in a new reality. Something that Israel had not seen and something that we had not seen in our day until Jesus showed up on the scene. And he's taken the focus off of these oppressive nations and he's just saying, hey, turn your heart to God because that's where the idols really reside. Not on our shelves, but in our hearts. So Isaiah is concerned about bringing our hearts in line with God's plan. It's about God's plan for them, and it's about God's plan for us here and now. And like I said, Jesus sets that plan into motion. He brought it to completion and fulfillment on the cross, and he brings it before us today. This new way of living right at our feet. So we have this one true servant with one true purpose, and he brings to us one true message. Let's read on from chapter 42, starting in verse 5. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretched them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people, and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you, will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness." You see, this message is centers and focus on God's covenant. If justice is God's plan, then God's plan is carried out through a covenant. And covenant is, is a biblical word that just talks about relationship between two parties. It's based on relationship. And that's what the servant king is all about. He's going to carry out God's plan by establishing and I guess, reuniting us into a relationship with God. And God desires that kind of relationship with us. He wants to set our ways right according to him. So he sends his son, Jesus, to make that possible, to make that relationship possible. And, and I love this part of Isaiah because when Jesus began his ministry in the Gospel of Matthew, it actually uses these words from Isaiah 42 to talk about the beginning of Jesus' ministry. 
It ties Jesus right back to Isaiah 42 and says, the servant is the Messiah. It's Jesus. So Jesus comes to bring us from darkness into light. Jesus comes to bring spirit from us from spiritual blindness to being able to see what is true in this world. Jesus came to bring us from the prison of our sins to freedom under his name. Jesus came to bring us from dwelling in dungeons of, and, of darkness and dread to being released to freedom, to walk in freedom in the light of the gospel. I mean, that is the good news of the gospel. That's the gospel of the, that we find in Isaiah. That's why Isaiah is called the gospel of the Old Testament. In short, the servant that he writes about will undo all the horrendous effects of sin, all of, the, all of the control that sin has on our lives. And he's going to draw us away from that and restore, restore humanity to the true freedom and dignity that God desires us to have as his sons and daughters. And this message, he says, this message is to be made known. It's not to be kept to ourselves. It's not just for Israel alone because we read on in verse 8 of Isaiah 42. It says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place. And new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise to the ends of the earth. I love verse 8 because, you know, Isaiah began, or he taught at the end of verse uh, chapter 41. He's saying, see the false idols, their delusion, their confusion. And God, now he's saying, I'm not going to tolerate that because I am the Lord. That's my name. I'm not going to give glory to anybody else. So that message that he gives to us through Jesus is that there is one God. He's not going to tolerate what is false. He's not going to, you know, let those false idols go. That's why he's that's why he says, I'm going to de declare my name. And when you see the word Lord in our Bibles in all caps, that's, that's the uh, Hebrew word Yahweh, which is we often translate as I am. So God is saying, I am the great I am. And I'm not going to tolerate any lesser gods among my people. I'm not going to toler tolerate any idol worship among my people. And he's saying, I am the one God, and I deserve all the worship and all the praise. And you know what? This one God, he's all about new beginnings. Because his servant Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he changes everything. He makes a difference for eternity and for right now. For our relationships right now. He makes a difference in how we go about our work life, our family life are how we recreate and what we do in our spare times. You see, Jesus came on the scene and he brings dignity to the oppressed, dignity to the poor and the marginalized, to the foreigner, to the homeless, to the orphan. Jesus changes those relationships. And here's what the ministry of God's servant does for all of us. He can bring you new life. 
He can take, take the former things that he says, they're done, they're gone, and he brings new things into our life. He can take the old way, the old sins that used to hold on to us and bring us into new freedom. You see, this servant is so much more than forgiveness of sins only. This servant deals with, with the effects of sin on, in the world. It's about restoring God's plan, God's work in your life. And it's a worldwide ministry. It's not just for Isaiah alone. You know, as I close this morning, I'm going to invite the praise team back up. And I want to go back to the beginning when I talked about what an idol is. Remember, an idol is anything other than God that we believe essential in life. An idol is that anything that, that we look for to, find, to give us peace, to give us our self-image, contentment, and a sense of control. So when I ask the question, do we have idols in our lives? Well, maybe so. But God sent his servant Jesus to show us what is true. God sent his word to us to show us the salvation of God. So journey, allow Jesus to remove any idol in your heart. Let Jesus bring you peace. Let Jesus give you a true self-image on who you truly are before God's eyes. Let Jesus fill you with contentment. Let Jesus remind you that God is in control so we don't have to try to be. And let Jesus remind you that we, all we really need is to be accepted by him. And then I love verse 10 because it reminds us that when we do, we can begin to sing a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. And take that verse for yourself. Begin to sing a new song in your heart and in your life. And I invite you to sing that song today. And the first note of that song, sometimes is just saying yes to Jesus. The first note of that song might be just having, you know, let's have a conversation together this week. Let's connect and talk about what does it look like to follow the one true servant and let's do this together. Let's pray together today. Father, I want to thank you just for the, for the gospel of the Old Testament that we find in Isaiah. And I thank you for chapter 42 that just lays out what the servant of God looks like, what he does, and what he, how he changes our lives. So, Father, I pray that we can begin to sing a new song in our heart, one that sings out loudly who you are and what Jesus has done. So, Father, do that work in us today. We ask that you do it for your glory and your praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship.